excited to um, record this wrap-up session of our podcast. It's already the wrap-up session, right? It seems so far in the future when we started planning this thing. Nah. It does. Let's talk for just a minute about um, this this thing, this podcast, and what this experience has been like. Because uh, we had talked about it for... Really, we've been talking about doing something like this since 2013, when we both got here. <laughs> yes, and then uh, more intensely in 2020 and 2021, and now it's 2023. Um, and here we are. And we have had a, a first season of five guests. Um, and um, I thought it was fun. It was really, it was really great. Um, um, those of you who have listened to our the whole series, or at least picked up one of the uh, episodes, we 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 pick themes based on Marianne McKibben Dana's book um, Hope: A User's Manual, and then kind of brainstormed who could we invite to on to talk about each chapter. And um, at first, I thought that was an interesting process, like to come up with like who who could we talk about that, and um, and who would be a great person to. Uh, go deeper in that topic. Yeah. Yeah. We really focused on people. We wanted people that we already had a relationship with because of the very origin idea of the podcast being the Sunrise Road, you know, something very local and specific to who we are as um, spiritual leaders of this community of faith, but Mm -hmm. also reaching out and recognizing our many, our many connections with the worldwide community. So um, really, really excited about those that we did reach out to. Um, Super excited to have the author of the book, Marianne McKimadana, who is just so amazing. And to have Mary Pfeiffer uh, was amazing to have uh, Judy Hart and Tim Scholl, both of whom I've known in different ways. And, and then they came together. And um, now I want to make sure to bookmark that we want to talk about uh, the play <laughs> as, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was so excited. I choked. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in that episode, we talked about kind of like that in, in preparation of their newest play and now the play is over. And so we we, we definitely need to, to get that. Yeah. yeah. And then to talk with Ben McConnell about justice and community organizing and uh, then to wrap up with our friend Robert Magola. So <clears throat> really excited about the guests that we had. And I think one of the things that was exciting that we had both talked about is we wanted in the beginning to say that these were conversations with interesting people in part because we didn't want to oversell that we ourselves were going to be that interesting, but because we feel like there are so many interesting people who are connected with our community. Um, And that's been a joy for me in my journey here as, as pastor at Eastridge and in Lincoln, Nebraska is just that there are so many interesting people so. They are. They're great, great people. Yeah. And it was fantastic to have our first guest say yes to be to be on here. Now, I got to say uh, this whole podcast thing. I mean, we, we have had uh, some preliminary experience with our uh, after worship, after chat um, in the times of our online service. But um, I this 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 was a little bit different, I think, like and, and I sometimes was not quite sure what hat I'm now wearing. And I, so uh, am I not an interviewee? Um, 
and um who am i talking to is anyone even listening to and and uh um and and I, and I said to you on a different occasion, I was like, sometimes I'm wondering, it's like, can I be me here? <laughs> or particularly with this topic, hope, and 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 I find this um, uh, such a an important topic, and sometimes I hate this topic <laughs> so bad, and and uh, and, and I was like, ah, oh, um, should I just now here? Call on our guests to say, I don't, I don't see it that way, or should I leave it um, like that? And so I think we also have this opportunity on this wrap-up session to have a little bit of opportunity to to go through some things that we resonated with and on also stuff stuff maybe we hung up on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say and claim this for everybody. I, I say this often, Thomas, I don't know how you feel about when I say this, but so maybe you can share with me in this comfortable private public space. Um, When I say very often that Thomas and I disagree about a lot of things. Do you think that's, how do you, how do you feel when I tell people we were, maybe it's not that we disagree. We are not in agreement. Yeah. yeah. I I also think that the disagreement is often part of our um, process and, and the way we, approach a topic or something like that um yeah but i also think that it's very presbyterian of us because mm -hmm. i think that it's through those conversations that we sort of refine um what it is i think usually we do end up coming around to an agreement about some things um but it but it is after like a a process and so i guess i guess i just say that because um we we very often as people spiritually are in different places at different times um and and i th- i guess my hope would be that over time as we do the podcast that we would each feel very more comfortable to to say that's actually not what i think as a as a person right right because there are some things that i ha- do feel this way there are some things that i have to think or believe as a pastor right right, right but as a person right. I- I may on the start. podcast, you're not the pastor. Well, we still are pastor, but I, I, I think the the disagreement aspect, and I want to kind of elaborate, not to belabor that point, but I think there's also that element, of course, that not just you and I disagree with each other sometimes, but I often disagree with myself because because I'm many, you know, I there there are voices and 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 there's there's that going on. And, and so um, I I really believe uh, doing a podcast and talk about uh, topics that matter with guests that have something to say, the the authenticity is very important, but also with kind of like with that asterisk, that authenticity uh, tonight, I'm probably not the same person I am right now, or I might see things slightly different uh when i'm exhausted and um the kids don't want to go to sleep or something like that so um but because yeah i think that's really important to note that we did a lot of the recording of these starting in december and we recorded Mm -hmm. a lot of them in january and today it's the first of march and the sun is shining yeah and that is very different experience for me than sitting um, in my office or even at home in a room where 
you know, it fights for light and recording and and like it's just a very different headspace in in january right right so so let's get into some of the the weekly stuff um we have both i think re-listened to um most of the most of the podcasts um all of the podcasts and uh so we we want to just kind of go through and and highlight a a few things um and i do want to thank all of our listeners who have reached out many many listeners have reached out and said that the conversations were interesting and intriguing and that um, definitely the guests and thank you for this comment. I love, um, I can't even remember who it was, but I love the person who said your guests are really interesting. And I thought then we're doing it right uh-huh. because it really is about these interesting, fabulous guests. So let's start with Marianne, your friend. Now my yeah. friend, Marianne. Yeah. My friend and, and and my coach in, in an important f- phase of, of ministry here. Um, um, and, and I just, um, I mean, it, it's her, her book that kept us, kicked us off in this series. And um, I think if anyone could convince me to talk about hope, then it was her. <laughs> and, and so I think I said in conversation with her, I, I loved that she started off with, with what hope is not. Because I think hope is such a, I don't know, it, it's kind of like kindness. It's kind of like... Uh, um, live, love, live, la- <laughs> uh, live, live, love, laugh. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it sounds like a, something that you can put on the, the wall and it looks nice. And um, I think we often use the word hope in, in ways uh, to short circuit grief uh, or to, to, to hot wire grief. And, and, um, and, and and so so I was so grateful for her that she starts her book and, and we, we, in her conversation we talked about that what what hope is not because we we need to become clear what we talk about when we talk about hope um, that we um, that we don't just talk about the niceties and and I those of you who know me know I'm very allergic to <laughs> to niceties to to things that looks pretty and sounds pretty and it was like and and particularly is 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 used as as they're there kind of comfort mm. and, and um yeah yeah capable or kind of coined the word of silver lining right uh as as a verb <laughs> uh and and um that's the kind of there's always a better tomorrow there's always that's that's that thing about um where where i think uh, Marianne McKim Dana really emphasized that hope is not optimism. It's not like, oh, there's going to be sun after the rain, just look on the bright side, all kind of those cheap answers that we gave ourselves because we don't want to stay in that uncomfortable place. But hope is actually, and then these different chapters, hope is actually, um, sometimes it's something that we need to wrestle for or um, that... um, it's worth sticking it worth sticking it out and uh or it's already there uh and so yeah what do you think thomas about um because i'm sitting here connecting and, and thinking about because we also did a book study at the same time and so we sort of in that conversation with our book study folks we talked obviously a lot about hope um and hope was so many things to so many different people and i wonder what you now I'm interviewing you what you might say um to and and how you would react to to this and these are my sort of processing of 
all these conversations about hope. Um, one is, I wonder if hope, we often think in society about hope as a way out. I wonder if hope allows us a way through. I like that. I like that a lot. I, and I, think I also, yeah. I also wonder about cheap grace and cheap mm-hmm. hope as connected to cheap hope is a way out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's that. Um, um, and I think the, the talk about hope. I think I actually I need to clarify something. I love hope. <laughs> I, I sometimes don't like to talk about hope. And I particularly don't like uh, the hope talk when it is used in a sense of uh, trying to give it to someone else. I think this is an extreme, I think this is the challenge. How can you give hope to someone? Okay, you're going to have to flush. What do you mean by that? Um, Well, I mean, I need some hope right now. And then the person tries to give me some hope and, and, uh, gives me a, you should read this book, or I, I don't know, I go out on a walk, all these recipe kind of things. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, it's so hard to bring in hope from the outside. I think hope almost always has to be explored or experienced from the inside. Um, And, and I've seen this in, in, in different parts with, with, with our guests. I mean, like when the conversation with with uh, Judy Hart and Timothy Shaw when Judy Hart talks about uh, how Angel Theater started as a place where women learn to tell their story. I was just thinking and that in, in in the ensemble, the, the this this story was listened to, and then let's play it. And so and and so so there, there is there is that. Or or when Father Magola said um, that that hope is already there, and our job is it to to discover it with them together. Um, that is such a different way to to think about hope than, oh, this person is hopeless, and I need to bring hope in this situation because I need that, to give that them me. my hope. I need to give you my hope because, and and, and I would even ask there is like, do I feel the need to give that person hope because? their hopelessness is making me uncomfortable. Uh, and so so the whole saviorism comes in there um, that I feel like I need to bring hope so I feel better. And then I think it distorts hope even more. Yeah. I would like to say of the things I know about you is that you're really resistant to that. <laughs> like in, in, in general... I mean, I think, you know, we could swap in any other word, any other fruit of the spirit. Like if if you feel that you are lacking in faith, the worst thing I, MJP, can do for you, TD, is say, this is what you should believe. Like that's exactly the 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 wrong way to to get you on board, in my experience. Right. Right. But 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 I I think that's a beautiful because I was just about to push back on that and say, so are you saying that hope is an individual thing? Like hope has to be inside of us. I think mm-hmm. I always think of that um Toby Maguire in uh what was that movie? And he says, You can't stop something that's inside of you. <laughs> it's the movie, it's like all in black and white, and then at the end it um becomes a movie in color. Um 
and and I I think of of that like you can't stop something that's inside of you. So a mustard seed of hope, of faith, of love. Um, I thought it was interesting that many of our guests, not just in the beginning uh, with Marianne, but many of our guests talked about First Corinthians 13, um, including mm-hmm. our friend um, Robert Magola, who, uh, you know, hope, faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I sensed in all of us a little bit of pushback to hold love up as the ultimate, because mm-hmm. even, you know, as as Robert said, without hope, which he really seemed to define as agency. Do, like he he really seemed to define that as the ability and I there's I, always something you can do and and yeah. to discover what what however small what that is, what your choice is, what you um and, and sometimes it takes the other person uh that really listens to you for you to realize that there is however small something you can do in this situation. Yeah. Agency, I think is a good word there. Yeah. And she, she doesn't talk about it. Um, Marianne doesn't talk about it so much in that particular way, but she does say now, because if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't um, listened to the sermons, our sermons are on online on Facebook and YouTube. And <clears throat> I can't remember which one it was in might've been, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember which one, but it was in a sermon that you preached, Thomas, about doing the next right thing and that um, Anna song from Frozen 2. <laughs> um, you know, you can't see fully what's so far in front of you. You you don't know how this is going to end up, but where do you find the hope to do just the the next right thing? Right. The right, next right, right thing. And to move forward in that way, trusting and believing and hoping <laughs> That in doing that, you will end up at, you know, at going through, you you will be able to move through whatever it is that has put you in that cave right. in Frozen 2. Yeah, agency or, or or at least that your story is seen and heard. I, I heard that too in in. in uh, some of our guests in our conversations. Um, I think I'm thinking in all about, of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought I, I, again. I thought about the conversation with, with, with Tim and and Judy. But I also think about when uh, with Ben McConnell. It was like the, the the practice of hope really begins with with listening and 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 being heard, even with the experience. Again, it, it's vulnerability that that comes in there too, and and um, um, to be to be able to to share what's hard um, and and experience connection with others who experience something similar and and then of course with with Ben's conversation and and his work in in the justice ministries to what can we do together how can we get other people involved in that um yeah yeah so here's what happened with Ben um with my friend Ben our friend Ben. So I, uh, we recorded this with Ben and I want to, Ben, if you're listening, I want to claim that I was not fully listening 
<laughs> and I had not been fully listening to Ben. And then I had the opportunity to go to Orlando for the DART convention, um, for clergy, the DART uh, clergy convention. And I was sitting in a class that Ben was teaching and he was, um, he was talking about his, you know, what keeps him up at three o'clock in the morning. And I thought, I have not been listening. Like, it's my job to listen. And I have Mm. not been listening. And then it made me think about the training that we need for listening. Mm. (laughs) Because we really (laughs) don't listen much society. Sorry, I have another cough. Yeah. And and, I mean, that, of course, you, you started off with that question, how that our podcast experience is like, this is one of the growing edge challenges when I realize we have guests here. And and uh, I mean, it takes an art form to really listen to our guests and not be in your mind with your next question that you're going to ask them. Um, but to to be actually really present with that. Um, yeah, that is. That's why the why the greats are great in, in that in that art form. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I would have because what I what I would connect through all of them, um, Mary Pfeiffer, Judy and Tim, Ben, um, and Robert, is being seen, being heard, the power of listening, you know, and a lot of this is Stephen Ministry stuff or pastoral care stuff, the like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like the power of just being present with somebody. Not because you're attempting to change their situation, but because you are there to um, bear witness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to to bear witness to what is happening in them, and and so what does that mean? You know the the sort of reflection, um, which I so I was at this um, dark clergy conference and we we're sitting around these tables and and. Uh, I was sharing with them that sermon that you preached. It was during the pandemic, like early on in the pandemic when in the Beatitudes came up in the, um, in the text and and you preached on them. And as part of that sermon, you said, you know, to blessed, what does that word blessed mean? And you said, um, bear witness, Mm. you know, that, that a big part of the Beatitudes is, um, the ability to bear witness. And I've shared that several times, but what does that mean to bear witness? And I really think that it means to accompany alongside in such a way that someone else can come come to an understanding and an ownership of their own story. Mm-hmm. So how, how can I claim my own story? How can I identify where God is in my life or where God isn't in my life? Um and really in thinking about that, you know, I've said this first couple of weeks of Lent, allowing ourselves to be surprised because I I don't think that God is where we think God is. I think God is where we think God isn't. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was just trying to think. I don't remember the sermon I preached, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I never remember any of my sermons. I I um I I'm thinking where where that come from, and I have a suspicion that it came from from a thought that I heard from the late Rachel Held Evans when she talks about the difference between curing and healing, 
or and um and that that healing uh but the curing is like it never happened let's just um trying to fix the situation like by healing and she talks about the importance of anointing um healing is the aspect of yeah putting a, a salvage on on the wound and says what happened really matters mm. what happened here mattered and 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 for for that i think in in the beatitudes i see that there is is like the the what's so great about being sad right i mean but but the blessed is is jesus saying here this this your story your experience here really matters and um that's what i see here in in the power of storytelling that's what i see in conversations uh where you share with each other what keeps you up at night and that's what i found powerful in the trust that I heard in conversation with Mary Pfeiffer and also with, with Robert Mergola to, to, to the trust that that hope is already there. I don't need to bring it in the situation. It's already at work. And it still blows my mind. There's uh, Robert Mergola's, um, he, he really, he, he really switches the power balance, right? He says the person who's suffering has more hope because they experience suffering and they're still here. Uh, so imagine the muscles they have. And, and, and so, what a change of perspective uh that's not i'm not a savior here but i'm maybe the person who is able to witness this person's strength or um the, the long breath that they're having here mm -hmm. uh or what they're taking for granted but it's actually incredible what they've been doing um yeah yeah. I want to um, talk for a minute about um, what we didn't get a chance to say. What did we, what did you hold back? What did I hold back? Um, and I will start by saying that in that conversation with Father Robert, I really, um, I think I was really struggling through much of the conversations because I see what we do here and our lives here as very connected to the hope that I have of what is to come. Mm. And so I really forced Robert into talking about the, the hope in a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know that he would have gone in that direction. And once I mentioned it, because he was just so insistent that there, there is always hope. There is always hope. There is always hope. And, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about hope beyond hope, for me, because much of my career, and I do not want to be, I do, I want to say this very humbly because I, I, I want to, I'm, I hope, I hope my humble humbleness, because I really think it's not me at all. Like, it's really not me. But this one of the spiritual gifts that I think I carry is um, in in ministry of death. I think you carry it, too. Um, I think in some ways, the idea of like a death doula is a very beautiful idea to me. And um, I think that's sort of what one of my one of mm. the things that I have always felt humbled to be there as a part of that. And so I really wanted Robert to talk about that. 
Because when we talk about hope beyond hope, for me, a lot of that happens not when the government has let you down 25 times because your food stamps have been rejected again or because, you know, you're relying on a partner to do something and they just don't change their ways or, you know, whatever, like all of these ways that we experience, um, you know, the the hope here and now. Um, for me, hope is most felt um, in in those moments. And so I really forced the conversation to to go there. And I loved that Father Robert immediately was like, oh, well, yes, of course. Um, so that's not what I didn't say, but it's what I what I hadn't said for many weeks. And I just needed to speak it in that final interview. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm like, that's yours. <laughs> Um, and yeah, when, when that dimension of hope, hope comes into the picture, I, I struggle with that. And it's not that that's for me, um, not in the picture at all, but I, I, I often feel when that dimension comes into the picture, it negates the, the importance of the struggle here. It's, uh, so doesn't really matter anymore because it's going to be good over there. So it, it comes, it comes in again. I don't know. It's it's not how you mean it, but that's how I hear it. That hope comes in as a medicine or as as an opium, uh, and and uh, to to accept things the way they are here. And yes, great Niebuhr serenity prayer. Uh, that is a very important part. Um, and yet there's that part where 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 the hope is I, I think it's our we are called to hope in this world. And yes, there is a way to think about the 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 hope in the ultimate sense, but uh I do not want to uh that the ultimate hope take away without the uh the importance of the relative hope. And 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 that to me is where I, when I raise my Swiss so, Swiss social democrat flag, and it's like <laughs> this fight is worth it. And and um, the relative hope, what can, what, what can be here? And and however we think of um redemption and salvation as beyond what is, the redeemer is the same person as the creator and 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 they are one and 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 um this this world matters and yes uh this is not the world we dream about uh but but they they belong together for me um yeah i think that this might be one of those areas where we disagree mm -hmm. um only to find that we are more in agreement <laughs> because for me <clears throat> for me, because what you're describing is sort of a sense of escapism and sort of like they're there. It, it, it doesn't really matter because we have this hope and um, and you and I both really, I think, struggle with they're in a better place. Mm -hmm. That's really, really hard for me um, because for me, my drive to make this a better place is based on this image that I have of heaven. 
And so when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those are the glasses through which I look out and I see, um, and this is the thing that I'm just really, really struggling with right now. I see more need, not less. And this is where that mercy and that, uh, you know, that uh, mercy ministries and, and justice ministries, this is where mercy ministries are really like, I think we need to feed people. Absolutely. I think we need to feed people. But why are there so many people who are hungry? And that's not the way the world should be. And I think inside of me and Ben McConnell says that this is always this is latent inside of you. This is my hope that is inside of me. Um, and one of the things that I so strongly am just coming more and more to believe in is that the table at which we will sit in the at the feast in the realm of God does not look like any table that I know. Not in any restaurant, not in any homeless shelter, not in any um, not in any sanctuary. And I just think we can't rest until the table looks like that. Not only because I want all of the food, (laughs) not only because I want all of the food, but also because I think there is so much need, um, so much suffering that is needless. Although I want to struggle with that word. I I want to struggle with that. Um, so much so much suffering that we are inflicting on each other as human beings caught in unjust political um, and societal systems. And I think the work of the church is to say this is the the hope beyond hope is that there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sighing, but only life and life everlasting. And how can we live in that space Um where we are bearing witness with those who are the um, peacemakers, because that's really hard work, with the those who are mourning, with, you know, with those who are persecuted, with those who are oppressed. How can we bear witness with them for their stories? Because I think that's what it means to be in that realm. Yeah, and, and I think again um, that we are different, and here we are actually not that far apart from each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think if if I keep turning the focus on the this worldly hope from uh, escapism, let's focus on the other world. I think yes, the risk is that you end up in a, in a wheel that you feel like this is Sisyphus work. Um, this is like you, um, it's Miguel de la Torres quotes that we talked about with Ben about the, the powers are always 10 steps ahead. It feels like that, whatever we do. And yet I want to sing a praise of trying and, 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 uh, um, I, I, I quoted that in, um, I quoted the musical Town uh, in a conversation with Tim Scholl and, and, and Judy Hart. Uh, and, and it's the story of Orpheus. It's, it's, it's a, and, and uh, it's a tragedy and it does not work. It's that's how they, the musical starts and that's how it ends. Um, it did not work. It still did not work uh, this time. And yet 
I want to praise the trying. The, the, the musical ends with the cast all coming on stage and invites the audience to raise their glasses and to uh, to raise their glasses to, to, to the world we dream about and the world, world we live in now. And, and I think this end, uh, I think that's where where it comes together. And, and I think that's where we are called to, 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 to lean in. Uh, that's where we called to see allies working for that, how this world could be different that are working outside the walls of this church and who would not even consider themselves Christians or spiritual or any way related to what is near and dear to us. Um, and, and, um, I want to join these this, this work and yes maybe somehow this all comes together to that beautiful buffet of scrap food that is the best feast that I can <clears throat> even imagine um that would be beautiful that's my hope honestly I just um, another thing I was sort of sharing um, at this conference as we were in some pretty intense Bible study with Margaret Amer, Dr. Margaret Amer, who's fabulous, fabulous Presbyterian um, scholar at Austin Theological. She's the dean, dean of academics at uh, Austin Theological Seminary, and she's fabulous. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I was saying is that I really don't think that the healing stories, as you were talking about Rachel Held Evans, um, the healing stories in the Bible are about the need of the people who we think need to be healed, being healed. And that kind of goes along with what Robert was saying is that, you know, I'm uh, as someone who is aging and whose body is less and less reliable, um, I I want to be at the point where I can say, these are my scars because I have lived this life. And, and this life has meant, you know, these, these things that have happened to me, my body has fought hard to come back from these things. And isn't that a miracle? And, you know, if our spirits are doing that. And so like in the healing of the blind man, I don't think the miracle is that the blind man is healed. I think the miracle is that the people stop and consider the blind man. I think that the miracle in the hearing of the deaf, the, the man born deaf, is not that the deaf need to be able to hear or need to be able to speak because ASL, sign language, is 100% a valid and wonderful and beautiful language. So it's not, it's not the quote-unquote ability or what the world may see as a deficiency in those that society has cast aside. In fact, I just um, preached last week at a service here about Jesus and the little um, children. Jesus says, do not let the, you know, do not stop the children from coming to me for it is such as to such as them as the kingdom of heaven belongs. And in a lot of my um, uh, exegesis and my research about that passage, one of the things that kept coming up and up is how society would you shoo the children away because there are so many more important people 
Like Jesus needed to be talking to the important people. And they're in that particular scene ahead of time. He is, he's having a conversation. It's a tense conversation, but also that's what they did in having conversations where they disagree. That was just part of, part of interacting with each other. And so one of the um, things that, you know, that kept coming up in that passage is that when Jesus says, don't let, stop the children from coming to me, he's upside downing the the society to say that the people that you have cast to the side are the ones who should be closest <laughs> because the people that you think are important are not as important as you think the first shall be last and the last shall be first the children this is what society should look like this is what society should look like. It shouldn't, it's not that they, not that children need to grow up, not that the blind need to be healed, not that the deaf need to be able to hear and speak, but that the rest of us who are privileged, who have the, those quote unquote abilities or whatever, you know, that we need to remember that all of these people are invited to the table equally all of these people. Mm-hmm. So um for me that just changes everything about how we understand the world here and what we're what we're doing and and what our hope is that you know those who are mourning, persecuted, oppressed, you know all of those beatitudes, the um peacemakers um that all they they will all be at this table equally because that's the king that's what the kingdom is like the realm of god that's what it's at the table Mm -hmm. for everyone more (laughs) there we are yeah 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 all right so so to 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 wrap things up i i was i was thinking about that you know we 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 decided to embark on that quest for hope in that first season uh we thought it um it would be only fitting uh to start there with with a name with the sunrise road and for me that that the name is obviously local that's where we're located where our church building is located um it's also where um for me this story is always associated with the um the the, the disciples on the easter morning uh who uh return back home because their hope was broken right that is that is that story right we we had hoped it's the uh what's that's the future too um tense um we had hoped and so um and it's that return and the stranger who's joining them yeah i'm i'm not sure i want to go in all detail otherwise i won't have anything to preach about the sunday after easter all right <laughs> but um it's always the fear <clears throat> but but well, but there so. there is jesus is lecturing to death they don't recognize him um and but but it's in the end it's it's the table it's the breaking of the bread um where things fall into place where where the eyes are opened um and then they suddenly also think they felt it before, huh? It's a, isn't is that interesting? Right? It's a oh, wasn't our heart burning as the stranger talked to us? Um, 
and and so there is a bodily experience but that they were not able to connect to in that moment and and so again it's the hope stories are bread stories um um and breaking bread stories usually no yeah so where do we go from here we've we've talked now about hope and i think we've had some really excellent guests we had conversation yesterday about what would go forward, uh, what mm-hmm. we would talk about going forward. And <clears throat> I think we're excited about some of the guests that we may have on in particular, um, thinking about this podcast in sort of six weeks series. Um, you know, so we would start another one after Easter. We may pop up before then here and there, if there's something interesting to talk about, we sort of bookmarked a conversation about that uh, controversial Super Bowl ad. We want to talk about <laughs> that a little bit at some point, but also um, talk, you know, just about things that are are happening. Um, so there might be a few drops of the podcast between here and Easter, but then would start back regularly with like, hopefully every week drops once, once a week um, with some intriguing guests. So I think what we'd really like to do is hear from our listeners. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, we would love to hear uh, feedback or questions or interested in what you would like to hear more about. Um, you um, can leave reviews in the different podcast apps or on youtube uh you can comment in there we will read your comments um you can also send us an email at sunriseroadpod at gmail.com uh that comes to us and um yeah we we really because we don't just want to talk out of thin air between the two of us we we would really have love for this to be a conversation with you as our listener and and the other call to actions to really help us uh, spread the the news about this podcast with with, with others, uh, share it with your friends. Um, the best way to help uh, benevolent strangers find this is to leave us a review, um, ideally a five star review, or uh, in in your podcast app, uh, to like and subscribe um, in the YouTube channel, wherever you where, wherever it is you find this podcast. Uh, let others know that you found us and that helps others find us too. And I think um, we would like to uh, close out this first season with a benediction. I think Thomas is prepared with this and want to give full disclosure that one of the lovely gifts that Marianne gave us um, early on when we first were talking with her about doing this is um, access to some materials even before they were published. And we um, have used the the discussion guide for the Hope Book, um, used it through our um, study on, on that book, but also um, there's some lovely benedictions in there. So this is not something that we have written ourselves, um, but this is something that comes from the now published version of the discussion guide uh, on hope, a user's manual. Yes, and this is the benediction over the last chapter, um, hope beyond hope. May our lives be one of holy protest, joining our voices with the choir whose footsteps we now follow. May we believe in the redemptive possibilities born from rubble. 
may we become experts in rest roulette, following what we're feeling and what we're capable of right now. May we move through and not simply get through. May we trust in the future, not that things will work out the way we hope, but that the future will provide the clarity we need to keep going, change direction, or turn back. May we claim what's in our power and go do it. May we stay in the storm, remembering that riding it out together is why we are here.